You're listening to the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. All right, let's get to it. Welcome to another edition of the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. It's going to be a relatively quick one today, guys. It's going to be focused mostly on WWE and all that stuff that's coming out. All my AEW coverage with my good buddy Nate will be coming out within the next couple of days, and we have a special episode with that. Bit of a long one, so if you got a long commute to work, going to the gym, you might want to listen to that one, but please keep listening to this one. CJ Palmisano here, and we're going to have uh, a good time today. Well, actually, not such a great time. There's been some not-so-great news, and there's been some good news that happened this week in the world of professional wrestling, but the biggest one, that's the biggest downer of them all, will kick off. We'll go through a few things that happened um, with Randy Orton and Tommaso Ciampa. I'm uh, going to go over a few things that happened on NXT, a few things that happened on Raw, a few things that happened on SmackDown last night, and predictions for the Backlash pay-per-view. Now, Sean obviously is not here, but he has sent in his predictions, and I'll be reading his predictions towards the end of the show. But let's kick things off with this story right here. It was announced earlier this week by WWE themselves that Bruce Prichard, the head writer on Fr- on SmackDown, will now also be the head writer of Monday Night Raw. Paul Heyman will no longer be the head writer of Raw, and he will be focusing on his on-screen character from now on. This is bad for many reasons. One, SmackDown has been struggling to be a good show for a very, very long time. It's been hit or miss here and there, but... They've kind of been able to get some things bounced back. But ultimately, it's been very, very bad. Very bad on a week-to-week basis. Uh, Watching it with no fans and the quote-unquote fans in the arena, the uh, PC these days, it's hard to do. But apparently the full story is is here. And uh, here's what I have from the 434 wrestling page on uh, on facebook.com details on the on the stars Paul Heyman pushed on Raw and Vince's resistance to some via Fightful well, this is, comes from Fightful Fightful was told by numerous stars that Paul Heyman was instrumental in promoting uh, promoting along the way during his executive director role Drew McIntyre was the primary name who was said to have been groomed long before his Rumble win and protected for his main ro- roster push Herberto Carrillo and Angel Garza were two talent that Heyman believed in and was integral, integral, I keep messing that word up, in moving Carrillo from his feud with AJ Styles over to working with other Lucha competitors. It was said that Vince McMahon didn't know much about Angel Garza upon his arrival outside of him being Humberto Carrillo's cousin. And there we go. We can hear the lawnmower going, so please try, try to ignore that. Continuing, Heyman said that said uh, Heyman was said to have specifically wanted to build the Raw brand around future stars. There was a light-hearted joke backstage that the Raw that Raw was built around the quote, quote catering crew instead of the quote SmackDown Six. This time, because AOP, Zelina, Andrade, Humberto, Car- Car- uh, Carrillo, Alistair Black, 
uh, they, they wrote Andrade twice, and Buddy Murphy were all relegated to SmackDown catering areas the years before they were hardly used on WWE TV. Specifically, we're told Heyman pushed to get Buddy Murphy on Raw and was willing to pass on star power. Uh, star power to get him. Apollo Crews was later added to that list. On the other hand, Ricochet and Cedric Alexander were talents that Heyman wanted to continue trying with, but Vince McMahon had pulled the plug on their pushes. The Street Profits and Liv Morgan were also people that he fought for. So, it seems to me that Vince didn't like that Heyman was trying to push these people. He didn't like the fact that Heyman was trying to build Raw around newer stars. I mean, all those names I mentioned are all great in-ring performers. They are all extremely, extremely talented. I mean, just to name a few of those names, like like Aleister Black, Andrade, Humberto Carrillo, uh, you know, Liv Morgan, the Street Profits, and all the other names that I had mentioned. There are so many great names on that list that Heyman put his neck on the line for, and Buddy Murphy as well. This goes to show Vince wants what he wants. Heyman truly, I mean, as hardcore wrestling fans, we know the brilliant mind of Paul Heyman, and we know that he really does want to try and help newer stars. But apparently Vince just wants to focus on the ones that he wants to focus. People like Roman Reigns and Charlotte Flair and Becky Lynch and Seth Rollins, and there's nothing wrong with any of them. It's just that you have to build your company on newer stars for years to come. And that's something that WWE has forgotten how to do, apparently. So, what I don't understand is, why would you remove Paul Heyman from the executive uh, uh, creator, whatever his position was on Raw, to nothing and have Bruce Pritchard take it over? Because here's where the problem's going to be. One, Bruce Pritchard has already been struggling to make a SmackDown entertaining or at least watchable at the very least. I can't stomach to watch SmackDown these days. I just can't. And some of my favorite wrestlers are on there. Daniel Bryan, AJ Styles, Shinsuke Nakamura, Cesaro, Jeff Hardy. Just to name a few. And I can't watch SmackDown. I just can't. Because it hasn't been good. What's going to happen is Pritchard's going to be overwhelmed with with now having to write for two shows. He has to write a three-hour show every week and a two-hour show every week. Actually, if WB's, WB's been taping these shows. So he has to write two three-hour shows and two two-hour shows. So a total of six and four hours. 10 hours of television every week. That's insane. Vince McMahon couldn't do this on his own when he was writing for Raw and SmackDown. And now he wants Pritchard to do both? Double the amount? It's only going to hurt. It's only going to make things worse. 
Paul Heyman was actually making Raw enjoyable, and I was loving that we were seeing guys, younger guys like Buddy Murphy, Andrade, Angel Garza, and even Apollo Crews, a guy who's been completely underutilized, get it, get some moment of, you know, some his time in the sun. Austin Theory joining now joining Seth Rollins' faction. Aleister Black getting time on TV and being put into proper feuds. It just doesn't make any sense to me. The formula was working. Heyman had a plan. He had a formula around these guys and these girls to build upon them and to make them new stars. Aleister Black has the potential to be that Undertaker-esque character. He's not going to be your guy, but he's going to be one of your most unique characters on your brand. Buddy Murphy has the potential to be a huge, huge star in WWE. I mean, and you look at a guy also like Andrade, like, like the Street Profits, Montez Ford for one example. It seems like, for some reason, Vince doesn't want to build upon them. Liv Morgan as well. Sean and I have said a million times that we think Liv Morgan can be the face of the women's division someday. She has that potential. Yes, I truly believe that. But they're not giving them the opportunity. Heyman was fighting for them to give them the opportunity. And this is what's going to be the downfall of Vince McMahon and his company. There's a reason why you brought back Edge. There's a few reasons. One, Edge found out that he could that he could do it again. That he's medically cleared. And that's great. But right now, to me, Edge is the one wrestler who feels like he's important. And I'll explain why. Yes, you have Randy Orton there. And yes, you have Edge. You need two guys like them for these younger guys to learn something. And yes, you have Daniel Bryan, AJ Styles, and Roman Reigns, and I get that. But Edge said himself that he didn't start to really expand his mind and hone his craft until he started working with guys like The Undertaker, like Shawn Michaels, guys who have been there for so long. Guys who have been there for so long that it helped him make him think differently about the business. When you have, yes, you have guys like Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns who have been there for a while and Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles and Randy Orton can be classified in that edge category. But there isn't enough. There isn't enough. And you need to build these guys to potentially work with a guy like Edge, and to try and get your Roman Reigns's and your Seth Rollins's and Daniel Bryan's to get to that point. And the fact that Vince is removing Heyman from the equation is only is not going to help. It's not going to help. Guys like Undertaker and Shawn Michaels were larger than life characters and they were to help able to help a guy like Edge and Randy Orton to become where they are now and they can do that. Yes, Randy's been there for a long time, but Randy doesn't like to be there all the time because he doesn't have to be. He said it him he's said it himself in interviews that I want to be able for these younger guys 
and girls to go out on the European tours, so I don't have to go out all the time. And I can only go on once in a while. Randy Orton has planned to do this for a long time. Edge, we're not sure. He may just want to have a whole bunch of dream matches within the next couple of years, and then he's done, retiring his terms. The fact of the matter is, putting Bruce Pritchard on is only going to hurt the product. I'm not saying that Bruce Pritchard is not bad at what he does over the years, and that he's not a smart guy. I've listened to his podcast, and the guy is brilliant. But it's going to be too much for one person to handle. And also, when you have the childish mind of Vince McMahon, if he does, he doesn't like it, well, pff, that's it. I truly believe Vince will never be ever be hands off until his eventual passing, which is rough, to, which is a bad thing to say. It goes back to what CM Punk said. I just don't think this is a good idea. It's not a good idea. It's not going to be a good idea because we are finally starting to see some younger guys work up on the rise and to potentially be bigger stars. I still want that for guys like Aleister Black and Buddy Murphy and Austin Theory and all these other guys and girls out there. I still want that. But my faith is going to be is very shaken at the moment that I don't know if they will. So right now, this is not a good idea. I don't see it happening to be a good idea anytime soon. But anyway, moving on to some other things that happened this week. Randy Orton and Tommaso Ciampa had gotten into a bit of a Twitter war. Uh, Randy Orton was taking some shots at the NXT roster during TakeOver In Your House, which we'll get to in a minute, saying that watching TakeOver In Your House, Leg slap a mania some stuff like that. Tommaso Ciampa took that to heart and pretty much said, you know, I was trying to find a way. I was having trouble getting my daughter to sleep, so I showed her Randy Orton matches. And Randy Orton was still kind of having some fun and being like, ah, you know, is this the leg slap locker room leader? So he recently was on a conference call, Randy Orton, and he did say, that during the Backlash conference call, Randy Orton said that he'd love to go down to NXT and share some knowledge with the talents there. He went on to say there's a few in particular he'd like like to humble and educate to be better. He has said that he will work with Tommaso Ciampa if Vince wants him to work. Which, by the way, Vince McMahon was furious that Tommaso Ciampa and Randy Orton got into a bit of a Twitter feud. He doesn't like it when wrestlers do that if he can't book a match between them. And that's ludicrous because it happens all the time. Clearly, Vince is not on Twitter enough. So, it got me wondering, Randy Orton going down to NXT would be actually a very good thing. Sean and I were talking about this the other day, saying that he should go down to NXT and he should work with some of the other guys. Tommaso Ciampa is the number one match you want to see. But imagine Orton versus Gargano. Champa, Cole, Keith Lee, Tyler Bate, Pete Dunne. The list goes on and on, and we might just do a list for it. So, Randy Orton going to NXT would be a very big positive thing. I think Randy Orton could make a bigger impact on NXT as far as ratings goes, better than Charlotte Flair could. Because Charlotte Flair won the NXT Women's Championship and then dropped it to the new... Well, actually, she didn't really drop it. Rhea Ripley put her over. She 
we have a new NXT Women's Champion in Io Shirai. Now time's to come to go over a little bit of NXT TakeOver in your house. Um, the women's match definitely deserved to be the main event. Uh, it was my favorite match in the entire card. I'm glad that somebody... Somebody... Uh, got the rub, kind of, from Charlotte winning the NXT Women's Championship, even though Rhea was the one who took the pin, uh, the pinfall. Triple H did say that everything will make sense in three to four months. If we can tell the story that we want to tell with Charlotte, everything will make sense. So it's kind of a wait-and-see situation, but when you look at it right now, the Charlotte, as the NXT Women's Champion, didn't really do anything. It didn't really elevate anybody. I mean, it worked out for Io Shirai, and that's great. But Charlotte didn't even take the pin. Um, not to knock on the match or Io Shirai's victory, because it's, it is a huge, huge deal. And the fact that we have three Joshi women's champions in wrestling right now, Io Shirai, the NXT women's champion, Asuka, the Raw women's champion, and Hikaru Shida as the AEW women's champion, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Three fantastic wrestlers who I'm big fans of, and I'm glad they're finally getting their proper shine on their individual brands. Um, I'll go over uh, real briefly with TakeOver In Your House. Karrion uh, Cross is going to... I think Karrion Cross is going to be the next NXT champion. And with what happened on NXT, after Adam Cole had beaten Dexter Loomis, and Scarlett came out with the Hourglass, I think this is it. I thought Keith Lee might be the one to dethrone... Adam Cole, but I think it's going to be Karrion Cross, and that that puts a what better way to say, yeah, we're going in all on this, all in on this guy, and this is a guy to pay attention to Karrion Cross, than to have his next feud be with the with the champion after he just beat arguably one of the greatest, he, when he beat one of the greatest NXT champion, now going after the next greatest NXT champion, and I think they're probably going to build to. Karrion Cross and Keith Lee down the line. Let Karrion Cross beat some top guys, and then Keith Lee comes in, and it's just these two big monsters of men. And Keith Lee eventually dethrones Karrion Cross after a while. Which it appears uh, Keith Lee had a great match at TakeOver In Your House with Johnny Gargano. Not exactly what I kind of expected, but um, it was really good. I had to remember that Gargano was a heel, which he. Uh, I. It took me a while to figure out what his what his gear was. He was wearing Mandalorian wrestling gear. I loved that. Um. It was. Uh, I was kind of hope. I. Ha I was kind of hoping for more of babyface Johnny Gargano, but I forget he's a heel, so he. He still has to. You know, work like a heel essentially, but uh, but the match was good. Um. And then we also had the parking lot brawl between Velveteen Dream and Adam Cole. It was okay. I wasn't crazy about this match. Uh, I I did like the the spot where Cole hit the Panama Sunrise into all those chairs in the ring, and that was a really cool spot. Um, other than that, not I don't have much to say about it. It was okay. I just don't think Velveteen Dream is going to be you know NXT champion anytime soon. Well, now he definitely won't be. Um, Opening women's match wasn't that bad. It was pretty good. It was a lot of fun. And uh, Finn Balor versus Damian Priest was actually a lot better than I thought it would be. Damian Priest is a total champ for taking that back, back bump, back bump on those steel chairs, man. Like the thud he took. 
It was a really, really good match. And honestly, I wouldn't mind seeing Balor and Priest uh, down the line to have a match with each other. Because to be honest, that was the match that I was looking forward to the least. Honestly, it was. And it's not to say that I wouldn't be excited for a Finn Balor match. I'm just not a, the biggest fan of Damian Priest. I did watch his stuff as him as Punishment Martinez in Ring of Honor. And he's good. But he really impressed me here. And I really, really enjoyed this match. So hopefully down the line we'll be able to see Balor and Priest feud again. Um, and speaking of Balor, he's targeting Keith Lee for the North American Championship. He had beaten Cameron Grimes. Cameron Grimes was saying that like Finn Balor couldn't beat me. And then Balor beat him. So it looks like we're going to do Keith Lee versus Finn Balor. And maybe that's where Balor takes the championship off of Keith Lee. Maybe. I like to see Balor and Keith Lee work work with each other. Because right now, Balor is totally like he's in a tweener mode right now. He was more of a heel when he kind of came back. But now he's tweener Balor. He, he's not a full-blown baby face. He's not full-blown heel. But, um... Balor and Keith Lee will be a great series of matches I'd love to see for the next couple of takeovers. Um, maybe Balor will be the one to dethrone uh, Keith Lee for the NXT North American Championship. To go over a few things that happened on Raw, Charlotte beat Asuka with Nia Jax providing a distraction. Uh, Christian had held the peep show with his best friend Edge. Edge says that he knows there's a pressure and has some self-doubt facing Randy going to Backlash. Christian tells Edge that if he's going to have doubts and not bring the real Edge to Backlash, he might as well go home. But there are people, including himself, that believe in him. Randy Orton says there's going to he's going to do everything that he can do to embarrass Edge and end his reputation. First, let's dissect the whole Charlotte Flair thing. We talked about it briefly, how Charlotte Flair, it seems like she didn't really do anything to elevate the women's division of NXT. Triple H claims that if we're given the next three to four months to explain that story, then maybe. Um, I don't know if Charlotte will go in and and beat Io Shirai and get a rematch. Because it seems like Charlotte is going to be moving in a program with Asuka for the Raw Women's Championship. I think we're going to kind of get over the whole Asuka Nia Jax thing, and it seems she's going to be moving to uh, to Asuka. No, Charlotte, that is. I uh, Charlotte and Asuka have always been able to work well th with each other. The WrestleMania 34 match they had was the best match on the card, in my opinion, personally. Um, we could see that feud happen again, and that's probably the feud we'll get for the next couple of months, and maybe leading into SummerSlam, Asuka versus uh, Charlotte. What I also could see happening is apparently I I could see Rhea Ripley possibly being done with NXT, possibly, because what I could see happening. I could see Charlotte taking the Raw Women's Championship off of uh, of Asuka. It, it sucks, I know, and I'm so glad Asuka finally got a. She's gonna have a. She's having a decent run on Raw now. But I could see Charlotte winning it from Asuka, and then at next year's WrestleMania we get the rematch between Rhea and Charlotte. This time we have a crowd. Charlotte is. Going in as champion, Rhea goes in as the challenger, 
and this time Rhea wins the Raw Women's Championship from Charlotte Flair. Because I've mentioned before how Rhea Ripley is the next big thing in women's professional wrestling. I've said this a million times. I think she will be a bigger star than Becky Lynch. And as much as I love Becky Lynch, we don't know when she's going to be coming back. We don't know if she'll ever come back. Motherhood, parenthood could change somebody. It could change them. Becky Lynch, we all know she loves this. But at the same time, she could think to herself, I did so many things in my career that I thought maybe they couldn't be possible. And I did them. I've done everything. She's won the Royal Rumble. She main evented WrestleMania. Won and walked out the first ever dual women's champion. She's done everything she possibly could. And if Becky Lynch wanted to retire, I wouldn't blame her. I'd miss her. I would miss her, but I don't blame her. So this is where you need to build new stars. This is where you need to find that next top face in your next top baby face, next top star in your women's division. And that's Rhea Ripley. If that's where things go, if it builds to a match between Charlotte and Rhea next year at WrestleMania, and that's Rhea Ripley's call up to the main roster, I'll be fine with that. And as long as they can build upon Rhea Ripley, let her be her let her be her character and have just an amazing barn-burning match between her and Charlotte at WrestleMania next year. Because that's where I see things going. I unfortunately do not see Asuka holding on to the title past SummerSlam. I think at SummerSlam she's going to drop the title to Charlotte. And then that's where you build Charlotte. Not that you need to build her. But you need to build her as a credible threat to Rhea Ripley for storyline purposes. And you can and Rhea Ripley was humbled by Charlotte last year at WrestleMania. That can be the story. Rhea was humbled by Charlotte. She thought she could come in and beat Charlotte, but Charlotte it was more or less, it was more one sided by Charlotte. Great match though. But then I think that would be a great long term storytelling. A year from then, Charlotte comes in, and then in the end, Rhea's the one who beats her at WrestleMania. And then maybe you could have one more match at SummerSlam the following uh, later that year, and see who the tr- who the better woman is. Just a little fantasy booking there for a little bit. Just because I really don't want Rhea Ripley's like loss at WrestleMania and now her loss at Takeover in Your House to mean nothing, you know. So a few other things that happened. We have a new Intercontinental Champion in the phenomenal AJ Styles. AJ Styles is Intercontinental Champion, beating Daniel Bryan last night on Friday Night SmackDown. I kind of wanted Daniel Bryan to be the Intercontinental Champion, only because, not that I don't like AJ Styles, I love AJ Styles, and I love Daniel Bryan, but only because I wanted Bryan, because I feel like he didn't get a proper run with the title last time. He, to me the Intercontinental Championship screams Daniel Bryan because he reminds me of those workhorse guys like Bret Hart and Mr. Perfect, Shawn Michaels, who held the, uh, Randy Savage, who held the belt all those years ago. And I feel like Bryan could bring a lot of prestige back to the belt. Not that AJ can't either, because I think AJ will do a phenomenal job, no pun intended, as Intercontinental Champion. And not that I've hated the new Intercontinental Championship look, 
or that I've liked it, but AJ makes the title look really good. I, I don't know why, but it should be very interesting for the next, uh, for however long AJ holds the title. Uh, I hope we get a an extended program between Brian and AJ. I really hope we do because those guys can put on great matches together. We've seen it happen before. Um, and I hope that the Intercontinental Championship means something now, now that AJ's holding it. And whenever Sami Zayn decides to come back, we can have him feud with AJ. Uh, I mean, Sami Zayn did say himself that, you know, the new Intercontinental Champion should be ashamed of themselves on Twitter. So I think that'd be a really good, really fun program to do. Um, another thing that happened, uh, sorry, jumping around a little bit. What, what I forgot to talk about, what other thing that happened on Raw with the VIP lounge. MVP holds the VIP lounge. Drew McIntyre interrupts and questions how MVP is going to help Bobby Lashley win a world title when he's never won one anyway. McIntyre then counts down to give MVP a Claymore kick for only for Lashley to arrive and stop McIntyre. McIntyre then headbutts MVP and is about to face off against Lashley, but the Street Profits and Viking Raiders arrive. Uh, Bobby, uh, Bobby Lashley and MVP, they have beaten the Viking Raiders. After the match, Lashley puts Ivar in a full Nelson, but Drew McIntyre makes the save and breaks it up with a Claymore. So it appears that the Viking Raiders and the Street Profits are more buddy-buddies than they are tag team rivals. Which is fine. I've said before, I kind of want to see see them hang out more than I do want to see them wrestle against each other. But anyway, I will say that this is the first time in Bobby Lashley's career that he actually seems like a credible threat to something. And he actually seems important. Because what they've given him since he came back is just dog shit. The whole Bobby loves his sisters segment with Sami Zayn and, and his sisters the Lana Rusev storyline and they haven't undermined that storyline either Lana's still there and he's still a, she's still a presence in Bobby Lashley but MVP has made and Bobby Lashley have really worked well together sorry Leo Rush but MVP's a much better manager than than uh, Leo Rush I think they have done a great job to make Bobby Lashley seem like a credible threat and seem important. Will he take the title off of Drew McIntyre this Sunday? Don't know. We'll get to that in the predictions. But I will say that it did take a long time for Bobby Lashley to finally feel important. When he's been back with the WWE for like two years now. And giving them horseshit storyline after horseshit storyline. I'm just glad now he feels like the cre a credible threat to Drew McIntyre. And they did this match in Impact, I don't know how many years ago. And it drew good numbers. And it was a great match, from what I understand. I didn't watch Impact at the time, so I don't know. But that's what I've heard. I have no doubt that these guys will put on a great match. Maybe match of the night. Who knows? It's very possible. It's very possible that they could put on match of the night. I did say this is going to be a short one. So I guess I'll just go into the, the NXT. I'm sorry. WWE back 2020 backlash predictions. Now I have my predictions and I have Sean's predictions. So we're going to be taking a look at these. And for the most part, this seems like an average show. It seems like it's okay. Uh, who knows? It could be, it could be great, but we'll see. So the first match we have Apollo Cruz defending the United States championship against Andrade, the former champion 
Uh, I have Apollo Crews for this match. Um, my prediction is this. My prediction, what I think is going to happen, is that Crews is going to retain the championship, and I think Dominic Dijakovic is going to debut Sunday night, tomorrow night at this recording, and he's going to target Apollo Crews, and he will set up a feud with him and Crews for the United States Championship. Sean also has Apollo Crews over Andrade. Next up is the Women's Tag Team Championship Triple Threat Match. Bailey and Sasha, the new tag team champions, versus the Iconics versus Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. I have Bailey and Sasha to retain. I will mention this because I didn't get to mention and talk about Bailey and Sasha. I do personally think that they don't need the tag titles to make this feel important. Their feud, because it's already the 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 uh, tension has been building for a long time now. I don't. I've never been a big fan of tag team championships to enhance a singles feud, but it do, at the moment the tag bouts do feel important, and I do think they're going to retain the championships, hold off for a little bit, and then maybe the next pay per view they'll drop them to set up their match at SummerSlam that I think is going to happen. Uh, Sean has the Iconics to win this one. Maybe he thinks it's a bit of a swerve. He thinks maybe they did that to kind of make people think that Bailey uh, and Sasha will retain the tag titles. I don't know, but uh, he has the Iconics to win. Next up, Sheamus versus Jeff Hardy. Oh, yeah. There was a horrible segment that happened on SmackDown last night that I got caught wind of. Apparently, Sheamus wanted, to, wanted Jeff Hardy to take a drug test. And pee in a cup. Jeff Hardy did have his pee in a cup. And then threw his pee on Sheamus. Fox paid a billion dollars for piss. Literal piss. And the, and the performance center talent proceeded to chant, You got pissed on. What was possibly a pretty good potential... Storyline with Jeff Hardy. They really just took a big old dump on it. But I have Sheamus to win. I think, you know, he really hasn't... Again, he hasn't felt important since he's come back. He's pretty much just feuded with shorter guys because they're short. Um, Yeah, and then maybe Jeff will get a win back later on. And and Sean also has uh, Sheamus to win. Next up, we have Asuka defending the Raw Women's Championship versus Nia Jax. I have Asuka, like I said earlier, I think... Asuka and Charlotte are going to get to a program, and that will lead to a match at SummerSlam this year. Uh, Sean also has Asuka, also because I don't think WWE should be rewarding Nia Jax for make, for hurting all these people she's hurt. Well, not all these people, but, but hurting people the, for the past number of weeks, pre- predominantly Kyrie Sane. I don't think you should reward someone, that, someone with a championship. You shouldn't do that. So Asuka to retain. Next up is Braun Strowman defending the Universal Championship in a handicap match. That's right, a handicap match against John Morrison and The Miz. I have Strowman. Sean has Strowman. I'm hoping this just leads to a match between The Fiend at SummerSlam. I'm hoping that this is just a holdover and we can get The Fiend at SummerSlam with with Braun Strowman because we didn't we haven't seen Bray Wyatt since Money in the Bank. And I don't believe that we are going to just let Bray Wyatt sit around and do nothing and never come back. 
I think they're going to want to bring The Fiend back and put the title on him uh, at SummerSlam. For now, this is a holdover for Strowman, but really, this is what you give Braun Strowman as his first... Well, actually, no, his his second singles uh, feud? A handicap match because Miz and Morrison? There's plenty of guys in the SmackDown roster you could have given him. You could have given him Cesaro. You could have given him uh, Shinsuke Nakamura. I mean, really? You give him Morrison and Miz in a handicap match? It's too obvious. It's just way too obvious. Next up is Bobby Lashley versus Drew McIntyre for the WWE Championship. I have Drew McIntyre. Sean has Drew McIntyre. I think Sean probably thinks the same as me, whereas it's just way too soon to take the title off of uh, Drew. As much as I've said that how great I think they've actually made Bobby Lashley feel important and a credible heel, credible monster heel, I don't think that it's Drew's time. I just don't. I think Drew is the guy. I really, really just I really want them to hold off dropping the dropping the title from Drew. Well, have, having Drew drop the title because he should be in front of fans. He should be in front of fans. He's so damn good. I've been talking about it for years how great Drew McIntyre is and how much I love Drew McIntyre that he deserves to be in front of tens of thousands of people in, in the audience with that championship. He really should. He's worked his ass off, and I don't think he should drop the title for a long time. A long time. So hopefully, WWE thinks so too. And finally, the greatest wrestling match ever! (laughs) Fucking bullshit. There's my F-bomb, people. Edge versus Randy Orton. It's strange how the ass-backwards booking of this match, of this feud, has gone. You start off with a last-man-standing match. Next is a wrestling match. That makes no sense. You have a gimmick match like a last-man-standing match to be the match that ends this blood feud. It shouldn't be this. They're poking... They, they want to get back at Meltzer and Alvarez for calling it the worst WrestleMania match in history. It was a long match, yes. But don't be petty. Don't be petty and say, oh, this is going to be the greatest wrestling match now. No. And that's your tagline for your whole damn show? It's stupid. I have Edge because I just want him to go off and start working other people, start having matches with other people, and just end the whole Randy Orton feud. I, I, I'm just done with the Randy Orton feud. That's all I can say. But Sean, apparently, has Orton. He says, but I hope it's a god, a goddamn draw. That's what they get for overhyping this match. <laughs> so Sean thinks it's, it's going to be Orton, but... He hopes it's a draw. I'll tell you what, pal. If you if you hope it's a draw, then that only means this feud will continue. And maybe they're saving this feud to try and finish up the rest of the year. So or so similar to McIntyre, they can have Edge perform in front of a crowd with new people. But I'm not changing my pick. I have Edge. Sean has Orton, and we only differ on two matches. So again, this was a very short one for you guys. So thanks again for listening. Uh, be sure to listen to us at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Anchor.fm. If you go on Anchor.fm.com, you can find all of our podcast formats. There is a whole list. Just type in the search column, The Not Another Wrestling 
podcast. I hope you're all doing well. I hope you're all staying safe. Please be sure to follow us on Twitter at TNAWP, the Not Another Wrestling Podcast on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram at the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. Please be sure whatever podcast provider you use, please, please use a five-star rating. Give us a subscribe. Download the podcast. Tell your friends. Share the podcast with your friends. What do you think is going to happen in a backlash? Do you think it's going to be an abysmal show like I think it's going to be? Or do you think it's going to be a great show? Or could Edge and Randy Orton really have the greatest match? Blech. I don't think so. But anyway... Thank you all for listening so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. CJ Palmisano here, and I will see you next time.